0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program is brought to you by Corrin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com.
2: And welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. This is your host, Elena Santigade. My guest today comes at cheese from an angle we haven't covered so much in recent years, cheese in the professional kitchen. On today's show, we'll get into why we don't see cheese headlining more restaurant menus, and we'll get into the budding opportunities chefs and line cooks have to make it a powerful and cost-effective ingredient. Rachel Freer is many things. She's an American Cheese Society certified cheese professional. She's the culinary specialist for counterculture, and she's been dubbed the cheese chef for the cheese course. Rachel, welcome to Cutting the Curd.
3: Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited.
2: Uh, It's so great to have you here and in studio at that, even though, listeners, I will say this studio is pretty chilly here January 21st. Uh, Very cold in New York today. So let's jump right in. Excluding the occasional cheese board menu item, why don't we see more high-quality cheese featured on restaurant menus, Rachel? I'm talking like a mention of Vermont Creamery as the goat cheese on a salad or like Roth buttermilk blue shaved on a steak. Why is that?
3: Um, So I think, in my experience, working in um, a restaurant, a cheese-focused restaurant, working a little bit with chefs in New York City, in supplying cheese um, that there is kind of a fear of um, high cost for cheese mm-hmm. and not enough confidence on how to handle that cheese. Mm. Because it is a specialty product. Right. Um, just like let's say a truffle or uni or something right, else that's right. high cost that would make it onto a chef's menu. Right. Um, but chefs feel that maybe they personally, if it's a chef-oriented restaurant, mm-hmm. may understand the product. Mm-hmm. But maybe they don't have a staff that would entirely know how to make that cheese last and be, you know, um, work on the menu. Right. So it's um, like a
2: fear of wasting out this high-quality thing. Yes. It's, high it's cost you know, thing.
3: it's it's a high-cost product, which... Now, when
2: you you say high-cost, yeah. but... can we frame that? Because I've never worked in a professional kitchen or done like the buying for a restaurant. Although I've seen like restaurant distribute distributor lists, like what is, where does it fall on the spectrum of ingredients in terms of cost? Like, I mean, you compared it to truffles. I would say I would assume are actually way more expensive, way more expensive,
3: but there are some cheeses that might, you know, challenge that, you know, price. That's true. true. Seasonal cheeses in particular. Right. Um, so the conversations usually are around food costing, right? So mm-hmm. you're going to food cost a menu item and down to every single ingredient that goes into that recipe. Okay. And that equation needs to be profitable. Right. You can't just charge, you know, $40 on a for a goat cheese salad right that doesn't have a reason for being forty dollars right and as a, so, a restaurant
2: like a sh- i would assume maybe it's the chef the gm and or the owner together sort of have what they understand is like would be the assumed price right and it, to um, the end customer a yes,
3: food cost percentage that you're trying to keep your items your your menu mm. in okay um to be able to turn a profit on your menu items mm-hmm. um Obviously, if you are using an item that's like truffles or uni or something more um, expensive, then that you might, you know, obviously you're going to make less money and profit in that Mm -hmm. item, Mm -hmm. um, which is okay if it's a seasonal item and it draws in interest and, right. you know, that works.
2: Right, because it's serving another purpose in a way. Exactly. It's like elevating it's, it's your a, menu. And it's, it's the
3: creativity of the, of the chef right. and it's, you know, the prestige of the restaurant. It could be a seasonal item that you're showcasing that gives you, you know, um, interest. Um, right.
2: And I feel like that's true actually at retail too. It's like a retailer has a target cost percentage for their right. cheese case, but your, any given cheese might be, you know, somewhere on... A certain spectrum
3: right so for example um working let's say with uh, New York City chefs right okay. um, for a moment when I was working with them on providing cheeses for them
2: right because you used to sell cheeses to chefs,
3: yes for a moment yeah. in time um so the conversation would go we want local cheeses okay interesting um, we good want start New York cheeses um and it needs to be ten dollars and under
2: Hmm. So how much, ma- so, <laughs> what percentage of your list, uh, fit that um, criteria? Maybe one, <laughs> 1% or one maybe cheese,
3: one cheese. <laughs> um, so, you know, as cheese professionals, um, you know, and working in distribution and working in retail stores, the conversation needs to be, you know, there's a, um, a learning curve, mm. um, you know, a respectful learning curve to chefs to kind of like steer them towards what do they actually want? And what do they actually mean? And what's going to work for them? Right. So so you mean local, you mean East Coast, right? Mm, or right. you mean like, you know, a little bit more than just New York City cheeses because we are in New York City. <laughs> right. you know? We're
2: not talking about um, a 50-mile radius you know, so, And
3: they, everyone knows like the prestige of Vermont cheeses. They're great cheeses. And they're like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we love things from Vermont as well. I'm like, okay, great. That opens up a little. Let's work with, you know, a mm-hmm. little bit more, you know, um, variety but then I'm like you know these are artisanal cheeses you know these are cheeses mm. that are maybe cave age there's a lot of work going into them you know just um like any other like fine product that you guys are right, using labor so it's hard to find a cheese like that for ten dollars and under
2: now how does that so okay let's say you make the case then how oh, like how does that fi- how did that fly in those days so
3: it usually goes okay what do you got Right. So that means, and I, you know, I would say like 80% of the chefs, including myself, when I'm, when, you know, I'm creating a menu item, I'm like, okay, let's follow creativity. Let's follow taste. Mm. Cause that's the leading thing. You know, something has to taste good.
2: Right. It has to taste good. An
3: item on your menu has to taste good. It has to be special. So they're like, all right, what do you have? Like, t- tell me what. Sell me. Yeah, exactly. So, well, yeah. Sell, sell me the higher price cheese. Um, and then that's, you know, that's, that's okay. We've tasted cheeses. Mm-hmm. The chef is really excited about this one particular cheese from the East Coast. You've got her. That's really beautiful. That may be like, you know, $18 okay. a pound. Um, and
2: she's, she's like, she gets like, it.
3: Great. Okay. But how long does it, you know, how long will it keep?
2: Right. What's my, like? F- how's how this going to survive? Yeah,
3: can you ensure me that, that it's going to come in like perfect condition so I can use it for two weeks you know Mm -hmm. it's this whole like kind of like you know which makes sense yeah Um, you know you want to obviously maximize on your product your ingredients in a a kitchen Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a whole you know uh, I I felt that usually they would say you know maybe in the future and not right now Hmm. it was a harder sell because they're like okay I don't know how to approach that cheese or like care for it or right. like I'm not sure if it's gonna work. So long it, term. it's like you
2: can overcome the cost question even. And yes. and bring someone over into understanding it as a more value added product. Exactly. But then it becomes a handling question and shelf life how
3: shelf life Mm. how you know how do we keep it
2: right I mean when I was at when I was opening La District one thing we spoke we talked about a lot with the kitchen staff was like how how are certain cheeses going to perform
3: right how are they going to slice you
2: know when you're working with like base like line cooks who have basic skills and 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 a lot of them it's like how easy is this cheese going to be for them to work with or how hard is it going to make my life
3: right so there, then you know, then you you realize with the chef maybe, and the chef, you know, the hardest the hardest attention to keep in the industry are chef's attention. Mm. You know, they, why is
2: that? And what do you mean by that? They
3: are very busy. They're uh. super busy. They think they're busy. <laughs> they are busy. <laughs> you know, restaurant industry is very hard. You know, back of house is hard. Right. It's a lot of hours. It's a lot of prep. It's it's you know it's it's hot in the kitchen. It's it's no doubt a right. very demanding position. Um, If you are lucky enough to talk to chefs directly, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they have, don't have, you know, large attention span. So, Mm. you know, it comes down to, all right, I brought the cheese in, but, you know, I might not necessarily be the one handling it. Mm. And I have seemed to identify, including like, you know, working with, you know, line cooks or prep cooks myself, there is a lack of training
1: like on how to handle exactly, mm.
3: you know, they're they're they come from culinary school. They may have touched upon cheese, may have touched upon fermentation, but there's no real focus on like what are molds on cheese, you know? Right. How to handle them, right? You know what 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 are these different flavor profiles that we we, we taste? Mm. You know, when is a cheese you know past its prime? Mm. You know, all these things I think are missing information for. Back of house for chefs to have that confidence. Once again, it's confidence in knowing how to work with that cheese.
2: Right. It's almost like when I think about like other proteins in the kitchen, it's like, first of all, there's like dry aged beef is, is a huge, you know, a big uh, dollar item and, or even fish like can be also super sort of like, you know, more premium product. Right. And and I, I think that in culinary school you do get more training of, like, how to handle those, like, how to look for qu- quality, how to make sure they're still right. fresh, exactly. how to, you know, how to, like, keep them in good condition. What knives to use, mm. what
3: tools to use, how to wrap it, Whereas, you know, how to keep the freshness of right. the cheese. Where, as, you know, in, in kitchens you don't get that specifically for cheese.
2: And is it more that... It's like thought of as a front of house responsibility?
3: Um, No, it's an entirely back of house responsibility because they're handling the product.
2: Right, right. Um,
3: So I feel, you know, over and over I've encountered that where, yes, we'd love to bring this cheese in, um, but first of all, we need to recipe test it. Mm. We need to, you know put it on our menu, and then we need to know how to keep it on our menu by handling it correctly, storing it correctly. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of chefs are like, yeah, we have a great cheese plate. You know, maybe the cheese can go on the cheese plate. But then, you know, they're looking for seasonal special special items that are seasonal. And, you know, mm. a lot of Jeez. chefs are like farm to table. Right. So we also have seasonal creamery to table cheeses, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they, they're interested in it. But it's really hard for them to take that leap mm. into embracing that and, and and focusing on these seasonal cheeses or not necessarily seasonal cheeses, but special cheeses right. where they're going to pay a little bit more and they're going to like showcase it as the star of the dish.
2: Right. Not so much right. as just like a filler or, you know, a melty or, ingredient yeah, exactly. that just goes in there. Exactly.
3: I dream of days where you will never see the word cheese on a menu. It will have mm. a name. Ah. You know, so that will force the chef or whoever's writing the menu or Mm -hmm. whoever um, to actually name the cheese, Mm. because you know there's. I wonder. I mean, how can in in
2: some circumstances as a consumer you can affect change like this? You know, like let's say as as a consumer, I want to go to a, a decent restaurant, and if they serve a mac and cheese, I would like that mac and cheese to be made with. Really nice cheese. Right. Or even if it's not like something so cheese forward as mac and cheese, but maybe something else like, uh, I don't even know. What what has cheese on it? Everything. Everything. I mean, <laughs> um, like, let's say even just a steak. Yeah, or, steak yeah, a or a burger steak with blue or, cheese on it exactly. or something. Let's say, you know, I really want to go to a place that's going to serve something super special on those dishes. Right. I mean, is asking, I mean, in, in one sense you ask the waiter, hey, what's the cheese on your burger? And they're like, right, Ugh. right. Does that get back to the well, chef? Is that going to have an impact?
3: Well, it starts with the you know desire of the chef to put the item on the menu, to put the different cheeses that you can choose for, let's say, mm-hmm. for a steak or for a burger. Um, and then obviously it goes into front of house training because, right. and though you know, that's for every menu item. Like at the front mm-hmm. of house, if the servers. And the floor managers aren't overseeing the servers, and they're not selling the item, or know how to describe the item. Then yeah. you might as well not have it on. on right. It's so
2: sad when menu. you go to a restaurant and right. you're like, "What cheeses are on the cheese course?" And they're like, "There's a cow cheese, exactly, and a goat, exactly." And you're
3: like, um, "Do exactly. you have any other information?" I know, and that you know that really, that's you know that's a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just a missed opportunity. I feel like hospitality-oriented front of house and back of house um, they, you know, want that added education. They want to learn about the product. They want to know about the wines. They want to know about where the vegetables come from. They want to know where the meat comes from and they want to know where their cheese comes from. Right. But you know, not all the restaurants all over the country, you know, we're, I'm in, I'm in New York city. So I'm, you know, I'm very biased, (laughs) but I do eat in different cities all over the country. And it's, you know, I feel like, you know, that should be something that everybody's interested in, mm-hmm. you know, like know the product.
2: Um, yeah. You know, it's it's funny because I tend to think that New York, our food scene in New York City is so sort of cut above and so special. And then, you know, I sort of have my had my mind opened recently. I was talking to a cheesemaker in the Midwest and I was lamenting that I felt like cheese plates had fallen off menus in New York. Like I wasn't seeing restaurants offering cheese plates that often, or as much as I used to. And that cheesemaker said, like in my community, every single bar and restaurant has a cheese cheese plate or a cheese board on the menu. Right. And so in that sense, I think there are pockets in the U.S. that are you know less culinary destinations, but really do utilize the like hyper local cheese right. making community. Right. But still, I'm not sure that cheese is getting in the menu as right. an ingredient, right? right,
3: um, And I see that also, Elena, when I travel to different cities, I'm like, oh, there's a cheese restaurant here. Right. Like, you know, I've never heard of like this cheese restaurant, but mm-hmm. they are focused on local cheeses and they have a cheese plate everywhere I go. There's a cheese plate. This is great. And yes, maybe in New York City, it, I, I still see it a lot, but maybe yeah. in New York City, it's like, you know, it was more important on the menu and now less so. Yeah. Um, but I do see it all over the country and that's like really exciting. Yeah. So how do we do, how do we get the cheese from the cheese plate Into onto the, the menu? menu, yes. Um, I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> well. Yeah.
3: So so with the cheese course, which I'll talk about for a second, are yeah. like their, um you know, pop-up dinners that I do with um, Laura Sutter, who's um, a cheese lady as well. Um, we both do dinners that focus on Cheese as the star protein. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're focusing as cheese professionals on the texture, on the flavor profile. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like a, a like a pantry for us, and we are trying to like expose like. General, the general consumer comes to these events also industry but we want to like kind of inspire people to go beyond melting the cheese mm. okay so your cheesemonger is talking to you about a specific profile when they're selling you that cheese right you know what does that inspire you to make and what can I make and why not come home yeah. and say hey honey what's for dinner cheese is for dinner yeah you know um, so cool. why not because that's it's it's a beautiful item it's you know it doesn't have to be eaten. At the end or the beginning. Right. It's
2: also, I mean, nutrition-wise, yeah, it's it's got it all. Yep. It's, it can totally be the star of the show. It
3: totally can. And if it's a properly made cheese, all of us know. It's like super filling. Right. It's satisfying. satisfying. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's kind of what we try and focus on with the cheese course. And, you know, slowly, I I, I talk to anyone who will talk to me. Like <laughs> <but laughs> Literally, I will chew your ear off about Um, basically, you know, cheese as a protein and as as a star uh, on on your, you know, in a dish. Mm. Um, So hopefully just, I mean, this conversation is hopefully to inspire more people to talk about cheese, not necessarily, I mean, we have as an industry cheese plates down.
2: Yeah, cheese plates, like we got it, the cheese board. Reaching like levels of,
3: you know, I'm so, it's amazing.
2: Yesterday was National Cheese Lovers Day. It was, like, all over Instagram. Right. People people get the cheese plate. People
3: are all over the cheese plates. We are, like, yeah, it's amazing what, you know, we've done with the cheese plates and platters, of course. But how now, as cheesemongers mm-hmm. and as cheese professionals, we need to start talking nonstop about mm-hmm. how we use cheese as, you know, cooking with cheese.
2: And I also and think... And inspire that. Right. And, yeah. it, you know, it answers this question of, have we saturated a retail market in some areas of the country and if right. so i mean restaurants are also are huge uh opportunities for cheesemakers to have to move volume right you know even you don't have to be a a like t- like a top performing restaurant even to move a lot of cheese like right. if you're if you're just doing okay and your business is good and you have 5 ounces of cheese through your menu right. on different dishes it's like for a cheesemaker that equates to a pretty big weekly delivery, right? right? right. You know,
3: you know, and like um, I think it's there's some work to be done across the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just the retail mongers, but it's in distribution mm-hmm. and it's in you know um, sales. It's in um, you know cheesemakers themselves and reps, and it's basically how do we educate in a respectful way, of course, right? And how do we you know talk about these cheeses to entice chefs to use them more as an ingredient and mm-hmm. as a staple you know if w- you asked me earlier basically how you know what does that equate to like that they want a certain price point mm-hmm. so you know if you talk to like a chef that goes through a lot of pecorino romano they're like we want the five dollar one you know whatever we, right. that's what we right. get we don't we're not interested
1: yeah. But
3: if they were aware, and I'm sure some of them are, but if you can like, you know, instill in them that, okay, there are pecorino romanos with, you know, different salt content, different acidity, you know, there are different uses for different pecorinos, you know, like, have you tasted them, Right. you know, and it might inspire a chef, you know, to be like, oh, whoa, that was an amazing, you know, that was a Hmm. hit of umami, right? I need that.
2: Right. That's going to make my dish taste better. Right.
3: Which, you know, the food distribution, they they do an amazing job at that, obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's just like there is so much room for education Mm -hmm. and particularly also kind of reaching... um, offering education to back of house yes and chefs and like how do we get them into seats right maybe like you know in the restaurant not just necessarily the front of house knowing the name of the cheese but right. the back of house needs to know the name of the totally. cheese. totally and
2: i want to talk more about right. that we're going to take a quick break but when we come back uh let's let's talk more about how we get that message across to the right people because i'm really interested in that i think that is the challenging part of the equation here so challenging. All right. We'll be right back after a quick break.
1: Today's program is brought to you by Korin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Korin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant from French to Pan-Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Koren's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and the rarest natural sharpening stones, they have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Korin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit korin.com.
2: welcome back to cutting the curd I'm Elena Santigade and I'm here with Rachel Freer culinary specialist and back of house cheese champion <laughs> uh, we're on a roll before the break we were talking about uh, you know how to get the message about about cheese as a Uh, your main protein cheese as a key ingredient, not just a cheese plate item, how to get this message to back of house staff, the head chef. Yes. But also the sous chefs, the line cooks, everybody like how to get this in more of kitchen culture. Um, We don't have any obvious answers. (laughs) Not yet. I mean, this is, um, yeah.
3: Um, But we do have some ideas, right? So once again, it's it's back to the education. It's back to giving them confidence mm-hmm. in working in this product, right? Um, I think it, it's it's a joint effort on all walks of the cheese industry to be inviting um, for cheese education, right? Um, Maybe it is, you know, like, um, I do a little work with counterculture, and right? Go around the, a little the work, a little a work, little work.
2: <laughs> uh, listeners, Rachel is like the, um, uh, she makes it happen with a small team yes. of amazing Lassa, women.
3: Lassa. Um, yes, she puts up with me and my craziness of, um, <laughs> Uh, let's do this, and you know, and let's do that. So we go around and pop up um, cheese education for industry. And yeah, um, listeners,
2: if you if you right. haven't gone to or been following the counterculture events, definitely check them out. Right. there's going to be what four this year?
3: Um, yeah, we're going to um, Salt Lake City. We're going to San Francisco. Um, we are, oh my God, Chicago and I can't remember the fourth one right now. There's, they're always interesting
2: destinations and I feel like they're always, I mean, San Francisco's kind of has a good cheese scene, but for the most part there, they've been in places where I think there haven't been organized cheese events that often.
3: Right. And um, it, we were focused on cheese education. Right. Um, you know, it's um, usually free to attend so people can come and learn. Um, Lhasa brought me on a couple of years ago to mm-hmm. um, outreach to culinary. We've been talking about this for a few years now. Right. And, you know, it's it's um, it's not easy. It's not easy getting a chef or a back-of-house right. restaurant professional to come for a conference right. or to sit for more than an hour. Especially, um,
2: like... When you're talking about a work week being 50 to 60 hours easily. Right. Right. There's not many hours outside of the kitchen. Exactly.
3: So, you know, but I do see that when they do make it, Mm -hmm. they are so inspired. Right. And they have a million questions. They have more questions than anyone in the room. Oh, I love that. Um, You know, just... Also, just talking to chefs somewhere that I meet randomly in different places, it's always the best questions about cheese. Mm. And it's like a rapid fire, really quick, and then they're gone. <laughs> That's, that pretty much sums up exactly, a chef interaction. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, we're, we're going to focus this year a little bit more on the culinary aspect and mm. really the outreach to chefs and how to get them into the seats or get the back of house into the seats, um, you know, on how to handle cheese how to cut cheese, how to properly, you know, respect that item and hopefully to inspire them to not fear it and have more control and understanding. Um, You know, how are we going to do that? (laughs) (laughs) Still getting worked out. Yes, attend um, a counterculture. But no, um, you know, I I think that, you know, chefs are really interested in showing their creativity. Mm -hmm. I think chefs are really interested in tasting new product. And I feel like they want to know more about the, you know, what are the creameries about? What are the cheesemakers about? Right. You know, oh, wait, they eat grass. Tell me more about the grass. You know, like they know grass fed steaks are a thing. What does that mean? Grass fed. You know, if I have grass fed, only grass fed steaks on my menu or meat on my menu, then I should probably have grass fed cheese on my Mm. menu. You know, what does that mean? Like, is it what, you know, someone tells me, oh, it's 100% grass-fed. What does that mean, actually? (laughs) Right, and how
2: does it equate to, what's that going to do for the final cheese? Because, you know, the interesting thing, just specifically about grass-fed or seasonal cheeses, is it's like, if a cheese is made in the height of summer, it's just, sometimes it actually, I mean, it depends cheese to cheese, but when animals are eating dry feed, a lot of times, there's more concentration of right. the milk. There might be more concentration of flavor. I right. mean, this is a little bit of a reach, but it's interesting to think about. Like, there are more nuances just to like, oh, grass fed means healthier, right? You know, right. it's right. it yes, but also it could be more nuanced,
3: right? And the same with um, you know, meat as well. Yeah, you know, like there's hmm. n- there's no animal that's 100% grass fed. Right, you know, what does a grain finish mean? What is those? What are those percentages? You know, right. what does that mean? Like, it's they just need to understand it. So, do you, you, know, you the think education about it? Right. You know,
2: like. Do you think that there's an opportunity in culinary school for yes. a different type of program?
3: Yes. And that is the big, 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 big. Issue that we need to go after. Right. Um, I do know there are some great culinary schools that have um, have cheese programs, mm-hmm. not really cheese programs, but they are developing more, uh, you know, fermentation and cheese mm. and like you know a little bit more food science. Um, but I think that that is the one you know everyone needs to go after and partner with and inspire and work with. Yeah, it seems like there's the culinary students. right, and there's so
2: much yes. that seems listeners. For yeah. any uh, you know, entrepreneurial folks out there, this feels like a huge opportunity. Right. Because culinary schools are you know, they're getting enrollments. People right. are into it. Food is, you know, at top of mind. People want to, you know, have the glamorous kitchen life. They right. don't they don't yet realize that uh the realities might be right. slightly different from what you see on T V. But So they go to culinary school, like a lot of people are really excited about that. And, and having more cheese education just seems like this, like gaping hole in a way. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we did an event, um, in a culinary school Mm -hmm. and, um, we had, you know, young culinary students helping us prep for the event. And I would say we had maybe six students. They were all second year. Um, two out of the six have ever tasted goat cheese in their life. Wow. You know all six of them were terrified about the mold on the cheese. Mm. Um, all six of them by the end of the two or three days that we were there, right. were blown away by this amazing world of cheese just the way I was blown away the first time I ever counter encountered right. you know the wonderful world of cheese. Well, so that was you know?
2: that's a question I have actually. As a culinary professional, were you, you know, line cooking your way through, like, how did you no, come to cheese? I,
3: I am not culinary, I'm not you professionally trained. No. I did not go to culinary school.
2: You learned um, through the hard knocks, yeah, <laughs> life of hard knocks in the I kitchen. was inspired.
3: I was inspired hmm. by cheese. So cheese the cheese threw actually me, threw you into the cheese kitchen. Cheese threw me into the kitchen. Unusual. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I had a restaurant background. I was a restaurant manager for many years. I was certified as a restaurant manager, um, um, French Culinary Institute back in the day, mm-hmm. and then worked as a general manager. One of my jobs was overseeing a cafe, and especially food store, mm-hmm. and they had a cheese counter. Uh-huh. And I remember walking in and being like, my whole life, cheese was, was my favorite like food growing yeah. up as a kid. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, wait, what? Oh my God, you know, tell me. Tell me right. everything there is to know about buying this cheese, tasting it, and i was a general manager for, for you know for two locations so, yeah, so i could focus uh-huh. on the cheese right. and my boss would be like where's rachel and i like, oh <laughs> she's at the cheese counter um, you know i couldn't you know i was blown away um, and so
2: then what what sent you to the kitchen
3: so i overseeing for some for some reason over you know managing restaurants that i did like i managed like three restaurants up until that point um, for some reason i always was thrown into like overseeing the kitchen like you know not mm-hmm. working in the kitchen but actually like overseeing menu changes overseeing ordering like you know t- help, sitting on on recipe testing so you um, were it was like a natural kind of like, yeah. inclination i hmm. think i'm really good at writing menus <laughs> apparently yeah. Um, you know, I was thrown into the bar, I'm, a, you know, I'm a beverage professional as mm-hmm. well. You know, early on, I was thrown into everywhere I went, they're like, oh, you should just like come up with the, our beverage program mm-hmm. if, if they didn't have it, and, right. you know, got them certified. Or in a bar, I was always like, oh, we should have these cocktails. It was like a natural, like a flavor profile thing. Right. It was like, this makes sense to me. And, you know, it, I was just cause always like found myself working with the kitchen. Right. Or, you know, the bartender, like, overseeing the menu. And um, when I did fall in love with cheese and that general manager position, I fast forward. At the end of that, I was like, oh, my God, I need to work with cheese. I Mm. need to understand more. Um, Murray's Cheese was opening Murray's Cheese Bar.
2: Yep, Delicious cheese-focused restaurant right here in New York City. And
3: the ad was they were looking for a restaurant professional who's passionate about cheese. And I literally ran there and I was like, (laughs) it's me. And it was Tia Keenan. (laughs) It's one of my all time cheese mentors. A dear friend and and a friend of the show. Yes. And also, uh, you know, she just put out an amazing cookbook Mm -hmm. on how to cook, you know, cook with cheese, which is super inspiring um, in general. And um, she's the one who hired me, you know, took a Mm -hmm. chance. I didn't have enough cheese background. And she hired you for back of house. No, she hired me for, for front of, of house. house. So cheese bar the way it was set Got up it. is okay. like you you um had a well it was back of house, front of house Because hybrid. You
2: did the production we plated, of the cheese cheese plates yeah. on the floor,
3: but it was a back of house position. Right. But half like kind of front of house
2: yeah. in a way it's almost like i mean right it was cheese station there was it's right. an extra station in a way
3: but we had to present at the table yeah we and it was in pairings. the front we right. need we you know we we had to like be at the table it's a very hospitality driven right um you know and i i i received a beautiful cheese education from murray's you mm-hmm. know it was it was amazing it was eye-opening it was very lucky to be able to you know work with so many beautiful cheeses um All I could think about is like the cheeses and what, you know, the flavor profiles. And it kept, it would inspire me not just to make condiments to go with the cheeses, Uh which is an amazing, you know, thing, but I really just wanted to take it further. And it was like the cheeses would talk to me <laughs> and they'd be like, Rachel, you know, it was, it's like this menu. Like, like for two years I had like this menu growing mm. in my head and like these things I needed to do. And like, yeah, you know, I worked with them, um, cheese bar a lot with menu items. But, you know, I could see in the like far future that like I needed to do the cheese course. menus. Yeah. yeah. Very and, you know, neat. I really need to explore that. And I got to explore it a little at, you know, um, cheese bar at the end mm-hmm. um, with Monger's um, Table, which is like a 10-course cheese yeah. tasting menu. And then when I uh, left, you know, at some point I went back to it doing the cheese course. And I have to say, it's it's a great, you know, general public come to these dinners. Yeah. And they are so inspired about, you know, eating an entire course menu of just cheese in right. a different way. And they are inspired.
2: So how do yeah. you, how do we find out about the cheese course when your next dinners are how, um, how to sign up? How do we do this?
3: So the cheese course that's, um, it's the cheese course dot space. Um, it's just kind Ooh, of in- a new URL. Yeah, because you know .com wasn't out there, but it's <laughs> it's basically the cheese course, and for me it works because it's like we're popping up in different spaces. Uh-huh. Work With me yeah. here, I think this. Um, so yeah, the website we're working on an overhaul of it, but you can see the list of all the events there, oh, great. and the dinners coming up, and okay, um, and yeah. you can register there. Yeah, you can get. Uh, yeah, you can sign up, and they get more info about the dinners.
2: Wonderful. Yeah. Well exciting
3: yeah super exciting
2: i'm gonna be going online later tonight
3: (laughs) (laughs) i think you've been to one yes Yes.
2: i have and it was exceptional it was so much fun fun. and you know even as someone who's worked in cheese for a decade or so it's like it it really opened my mind so
3: cheese is inspiring
2: it totally is that's why we're all here chefs out
3: there cheese is inspiring (laughs) get back to
2: your roots um (laughs) well we're just about at the end of our time here Rachel, thank you so much for joining me today.
3: Thank you. This was fun.
2: This was great. Yeah. listeners, I'm also curious. Of what are your favorite cheese focused restaurants? We would love to know spots you frequent that give our favorite ingredient a front and center role. You can tweet us at Cutting the Curd. We're on Cutting the Curd. We're Cutting the Curd on Instagram or email us at Cutting the Curd at heritageradionetwork.org. dot um, and don't forget the thecheesecourse.space for a list of Rachel's upcoming cheese-focused dinners, which just sounds so fun and so unique. And yeah, that's it, folks. We'll be back next week with more Cutting the Curd.